0: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Eric Jackman, joined by my twin brother, as always, Mike Jackman. And today is a big day for Jackman Radio, a big day for liberty and lovers of freedom all over the world. We are so honored to welcome Congressman Ron Paul to the show. Dr. Paul, how are you doing today? Good sir. Um,
1: I'm doing fine. It's nice to be with you. And I do know, as I remember correctly, you might've been involved with some of my campaigns and if that is true. I want to thank you for doing that in
0: the past. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Congressman, it was, it was my honor to work on your campaign uh, up here in New Hampshire in 2012. Um, I started on Gary Johnson's campaign and then he you know, dropped out and fizzled out. And, uh, the five of us, Gary Johnson staffers endorsed you. And my brother and I uh, worked out of your Concord, New Hampshire office, hitting the phones, hitting doors, um, one of my responsibilities was to set up uh, press credentials at some of your events, so I dealt with some of the, uh, the fake news media, as Donald Trump calls them, and uh, it, was, it was just a joy to work on your campaign. I mean, the energy, the enthusiasm, and when we came in second place behind Mitt Romney there, uh, you know, getting over a quarter of the vote here, we, we were just ecstatic.
1: <laughs> it was great, but, but it happened because we had people like you out there doing it for the right reason
2: absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean inspect the the first time we ever uh, got to see you speak and meet you was actually i think at your first house party in new hampshire in uh, 2006 i think it was a winter house party and um you know it was a house full of like 100 people and then to see the crowds you know go from a small house party to a little you know medium-sized events and then eventually thousands of people uh, it just shows that the message really resonated then and and i you know i think it still is today
1: But, you know, I I remember that, I think pretty clearly on that, because uh, I remember the house being uh, very full and a a lot of enthusiasm, and uh, somebody came over and whispered to me, and this, I'm I'm not letting out any secrets here, but somebody whispered to me, Ron, don't worry, you're well protected here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... They said, well, you know what I'm talking
2: about. Oh, yeah. Well, kind of getting into it, Dr. Paul, um, I want to ask you a question from uh, a friend of ours, uh, Ricky Gray, who's also a a military veteran and a supporter of yours. Um, He would like to get your diagnosis on the state of our economy right now and where you see that going.
1: Well, it's going down, and it's going down a lot more yet. And... It may have a snap downward because they might tomorrow, or the next day admit how bad it is already. You know, and somebody said, "Well, how do you guys that look at Austrian economics? How do you make these predictions? How do you know this stuff is coming?" And you know, I don't look at it that way. You know, I've mentioned about housing bubbles and the different things like that that certain things would happen. But to take, for instance, you know, the inflation, uh, people refer to inflation as cost of living going up, CPI. That's not inflation uh, by the Austrian economic school. That is not the definition. The inflation comes when uh, the Federal Reserve is uh, motivated to print a lot of money. So once you print a lot of money and you mess up the interest rates for a year, two or three or four, and we've been doing it for a long time. There's been tremendous inflation of the real stuff. Now we have to sort it out because what does what is unpredictable is exactly how these things get smoothed out and get rid of it. And what the you can't predict what the government's going to do. And that that is a big big job because that is uh, uh, you know for for instance the the price scale. People who are average people and just have to find food every month and go to the store and buy gasoline, you know, their inflation rate might be 20%. Uh, but they most people don't admit that, but people feel it and wonderful. So what that invites is a lot of misunderstanding. And uh, yet they're, the problems are out there. It has to be liquidated. And as far as predicting or anticipating is a, probably a better word, is that there's been a lot of debt too much debt, and we're not working hard enough to pay off the debt, and eventually, no matter how powerful we are with our military and the health of our economy and and uh, having a reserve currency, it, and then it it doesn't matter. The debt eventually will be too costly, and the, the longer it goes, and I figure this, this batch of monetary inflation started in 2008 with QEs, so it is massively distorted. The market says, and the market eventually wins. The market says it has to be liquidated. You can't have more debt and you can't raise interest rates and, and, and all, these, all these things that happen. But the debt has to, it has to be liquidated. And there's only a couple ways you can do that. You can print money or you could work harder and pay off the debt. Individuals have to work harder or take another job and pay off their debt. Governments don't do that they uh they liquidate debt by destroying the value of the money and that's why we know that the inflation is here because we we have a measurement of that and we we know that there's intervention and malinvestment as a consequence of this what we don't know is whether it's going to be tomorrow next year or exactly when people say phew throw in the tile and that's it folks uh it'll come but right now we're seeing the early stages of this and uh, I, I think uh, uh, shadow stats are accurate in making much better uh, projections about what, what's what coming, and uh, it, we're, we're, we're in a mess, and it's not going to be achieved with the Fed making another announcement on how they're going to tinker. Frequently, I get questions, what would you do, Ron, if you were got to check the interest rates? The well, first thing is, is I would deny all re- responsibility. I'm not gonna mess with them. Let the market mess with it. That'll liquidate it and get us all back in working order.
0: Yeah, absolutely, the economy is is, is a mess right now. Um, so one of the highlights from one of your presidential campaigns, I think it was the 08 race, uh, when you just absolutely schooled Giuliani and Gingrich and and Romney and all those guys on foreign policy and the idea of blowback and and all of that. And uh, you know you were obviously the, the the great message of non-intervention and peace and a humble foreign policy. So I'm curious, Congressman, during your time in Congress, um, what would be like a highlight foreign trip that you made, and did you meet any like really cool or interesting foreign leaders that stand out in, in your experience?
1: Well, yeah, from a personal viewpoint, uh, when it dawned on me that uh, more people were listening to what I was trying to say than I ever dreamed of, because when I started talking about the monetary issue, which motivated me to uh, run, it was just to talk about it. And that was uh, in 1971 when the Bretton Woods was uh, uh, closed down and, and Nixon closed the gold window. I said, uh, during during that time, you know, I didn't expect really much. And then I ran for Congress and I assured my wife, don't worry about it. She was worried that I'd win. I said, don't worry about it. I said, I'm not going to be passing out any freebies. I'm just going to tell them we're in a mess and we we have to do something. And, uh, of course, her prediction was that uh, I would would win. But what was exciting uh, was that I went from a period of time and that, you know you even mentioned our one of the first meetings in 06 of course i had gone to some colleges because uh, i was interested in the mises institute and i had my own foundation and going to campuses to see if there were any libertarians i usually get i could get 10 or 15 out you know they had little clubs and somebody said well, what do you do that for and i said well i get it off my chest or something so uh they were small but in in opposition to that type of a really really low key uh i guess the time that surprised me the the most and i was encouraged was when i uh, generally speaking if i get a large crowd of young people from colleges that was that were up to speed on what was happening, they knew about the Fed. Matter of fact, it was a crowd in the University of Michigan that first announced it by shouting it and the Fed and the Fed. So in a way, there was a lot more people understanding it than I ever dreamed of. But the one event that uh, sort of remains in my memory was the one that we did at Berkeley. And Berkeley, you know, is known to be not exactly, uh, a, you know, a, a conservative hard money school. And it was the best crowd I had that, that during that campaign. We had like 8,000 people can turn out. And that, that to me was just unbelievable because I still saw myself as, you know, tinkering around the edges and making a suggestion, you know, why we're having problem. We're printing too much money. We're not obeying the constitution. We do this to fight wars on and on. We wouldn't have a welfare state if you if you had honest money. So it went it was a, a big difference. so the surprise was very positive. So even though I warned college students of the great danger and I continue to do that, most people the compliment I enjoy the most is uh, is when they say that you know you do tell us the truth, maybe that helps and uh, and I'm an optimist and and that's good and uh, <clears throat> because uh, I think, Somebody once, I one time I was expressing that why would they, why would they be, why would they tell me I'm positive when I give them so much bad news? And somebody said something that sort of stuck with me, and I I hope this is true. They say, well, what they're doing, why, why they're responding that way is it's so rare that they hear anybody from Washington telling the truth that they get excited about it. And that to me is a very positive sign that if the people hear the truth, and I think the uh, the large majority of the American people and people in general want to hear the truth, and they would respond favorably if we haven't allowed those who are in total opposition to us, uh, had not gained so much power and control over the economy and social order. And that's why this cultural Marxism is such a threat.
2: Absolutely. and. I, I really appreciate it. After 2008 and um, 2012, uh, Congressman Paul, how after you know your campaigns had ended, uh, you declined uh, respectfully to endorse McCain or Romney, um, opting to promote different ideas and different candidates. Where do you see the future of third parties uh, going here in America?
1: I I think it's fruitless. I, there's not going to be any. I I'm working on a second party, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because against the war party, yeah. yeah, Even though uh, I do see differences, especially this year, between the people who are in power right now versus the others. But almost every day, I have an example. Today, it was an example. They went to uh, a a, a congressional delegation went to the Ukraine to check things out, and. but it was bipartisan, you know, and it's bipartisan support for the Fed and the military-industrial complex, welfareism, deficit. So it's an ingrained uh, result of uh, what happened at our universities. And that's why I think the education is going to come, except for the rare exception on the universities. It has to come from outside the university. And that's why I've been, I was and continue to be guardedly excited about the information you can get off the internet, even though uh, you know we all are concerned and worried about you know censorship and the way that speech can be controlled, but there's still even you know when I'm looking for material, I don't I really look back and admire the people who uh, wrote great books and understood history and philosophy, especially the founders, and they didn't have an internet now. Now I can punch up a couple buttons. for the most part, I can get a a lot of good information, at least get the dates straight and get, you know, the policy. But the Internet is still a tool that we can use. And that's why uh, we have. I always have been optimistic about that because uh, the, the libertarians seem to be more aggressive in use of the Internet. Why if there's a complication and they're messing up and they're penalizing us with the uh, the internet, why can't somebody come along and have a counter reaction to that? And I think that's happening I mean to a large degree. I don't like the ideas. All we need is the government come down and, Lock them down or do something. Uh, I, I would. There can be some changes, uh, you know, with the internet that would still fit private property rights. Matter of fact, I think of the internet right now, it's getting much closer to be an arm of the government. That worries me. Yeah. But still, I think the internet is a good tool and a way we can get this message out that I talk about, and I can talk to more people than I
2: had in the past. Um- from a recent show, you you and uh, Mr. McAdams announced that uh, you were moving from YouTube to Odyssey. Um, do you see an emergence of different platforms? And because um, I still, I mean, I like being on YouTube, and YouTube is still the primary uh, source of information. Um, but this, like you were saying, the censorship is really bad. Uh, but do you see platforms like Odyssey and uh, others, you know, emerging when it comes?
1: Rumble R- the- is R- the other one that I think we're going to be working. with. Daniel works with that and takes care of it and keeps me up to date. I always claim that I was never a computer person, but uh, in many ways, I, I uh, hope I understand it very well, the dangers of it and all the good parts of it. So, uh, I, matter of fact, when when I left Congress, uh, Daniel and Sir Khan who does the technical work, I said we sat around discussing it. And even though I saw my limitation, I said, what's going to happen, you know, when I, my uh, my concern was when the government cracks down and starts monitoring. The government has cracked down, but they do it through the corporations. And uh, that, that, I think, uh, immediately I said, work on alternatives. Always look for an alternative is what we can do, uh, you know, with the Internet. And think about the competition where if, if somebody is trying to cancel us, there has to be an alternative. It looks to me like the internet and the technology is so big that uh, no matter what the government does, there's still gonna be some competition out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of my favorite things that you did in Congress uh, is whenever you would team up with Congressman Dennis Kucinich from Ohio, And uh, Mike and I got to know him really well during uh, his 2008 campaign for president, you know, along with attending your events and supporting your campaign. I was also very supportive of Dennis Kucinich's campaign because you guys talked about a lot of the same things, you know, big picture items and foreign policy and war. So um, what kind of response and, and feeling would you get from your other colleagues in Congress when they would see you and Dennis teaming up and Railing against the, you know, military industrial complex and talking about civil liberties and all that, because a lot of the times it just seemed like it was Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, uh, you know, like Batman and Robin in Congress, the two voices of reason.
1: Well, they don't say much because they don't want to draw attention to us. You know, you know, you can get six people in Congress that may be Marxists and they, they might get millions of dollars worth of free advertisement by getting their positions out there and all kind of activity. But no, if if Dennis and I get together and, and we did work hard, we had we brought up some votes and always pointing out the in, insanities of the wars in the Middle East and. Uh, no they didn't talk about that. Back then, even now they talk more about my position on the monetary policy. But back then, uh, you know when the, when the housing bubble was building, uh, and I was on the banking committee, and I did all this work and gave speeches daily, but they they, they weren't covered, but people like you. and I said, you know, there there's somebody out there that's going hear. And uh, the one thing, one way I work on this, so I don't get despondent of it all, is I believe in the remnant. There's a remnant of people, both in the spiritual sense as well as the philosophic sense with economic. There's always going to be a remnant that is going to cling to the truth and will preserve the truth. That is why... Uh, you know what the founders did is so important it's there, even though we don't follow much of what I do. Then I you know read read what the founders were looking at. They were looking back at John Locke. Locke had a tremendous and some of the words that Locke wrote ended up in the Declaration of Independence. So you know, that that to me is just so fascinating that uh, that people can achieve things under conditions that seem to be minor. But uh, I, I, um, I think that that's what we have to do. We have to preserve. And when people come along and they say, yes, I think he's right on this Federal Reserve, we're getting a little more attention now than before. But it, there will get a lot more because the Federal Reserve is a total failure. And more and more people are recognizing that. So I think people will come and go, wow, you know, this is true. What what has been said, and I don't take credit for all that because I, I read other people, and uh, I I keep thinking, wonder what my most original thought has ever been. You know, it's, if you're honest with yourself, it's, it's hard to find stuff because someplace buried in your brain, someplace somebody might have said it, and that doesn't matter. The test is, is it true or is it not true?
2: Yeah, that's why, you know, speeches you've given uh, 10, 15, 20, even up to 30 years ago, they get clipped and put on like Twitter or YouTube and all the stuff you were saying. It's like the com- the great comedian George Carlin, uh, the yeah. words and the message. It just, it no matter what cycle we're in, they, they continue to resonate and come back. And especially, you know, when it comes to foreign policy. And that's why I was so attracted to your campaign, um, because you really were one of the only ones up there speaking so truthfully about um, the American empire and the unintended consequences of what happens with all of our, you know, militarism around the world. So um, to 2022, where do you see our proxy war with Russia going? What do you think that outcome might be?
1: Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the imbalance and the winning sides do it pretty well. <laughs> I think I Russia is doing real well. They're making more money, drawing more oil and uh, the the sanctions have all backfired and uh, the europeans i committed not too wise to go along with uh you know nato and all that nonsense and us putting all our missiles over there as we promised we wouldn't do right up next to the wall of russia that uh if sanity will break out you know they can't destroy it all but Europe, the Europeans have done a lot of damage to themselves. I think it's going to continue. I think they're going to wake up and say, you know, Russia, uh, we hate them. We have to do it. We have to destroy them. But I think uh, there are some people in this country now because they don't follow uh, non-interventionism and libertarianism. Uh, they see uh, Russia as a competitor, so they have to destroy them. And uh, it, I, I think, we, I see, you know, you know, so so many. Uh, disadvantages that have been gained for us in the conventional sense, because, uh, you know, R- Russia's doing okay. They and China and India might come up with a competing currency. And uh, they cer- they certainly won't have a toast uh, military. And we're going to go broke. And when, they, when there's a significant rejection of the dollar is when that will happen. The crack is there. And the crack is The value of the dollar can't be measured by other currencies. The crack has in the dollar has to be measured by what your bag of groceries cost and what the gallon of gasoline cost. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people worried about it. And it's just started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the um, the 2016 GOP primary for president was obviously a three ring circus. And uh, my brother and I did endorse your son early on, Senator Rand Paul. And, uh, you know, we did some door knocking here in New Hampshire for him and, you know, wrote op-eds in support of him. Um, what what was it like during that campaign to see Donald Trump at the center of that, you know, and then other kind of more seasoned politicians and people who've been running for office for decades? Um, and, of course, seeing your son up there, like, would, would your son call you after a debate and just be like, geez, did you see that, Dad? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're you're talking about especially 2016, right?
0: 2016, yeah. When when Rand ran in the primary yeah. against Donald Trump and everyone else.
1: Well, it uh, it, it is it is pretty pretty amazing uh, what happened there. But uh, some people say, you know, they ask my what my position was on on Trump, and uh, I was I was pretty quiet. I I'd answer the question when they asked me, and I said no, I don't. I don't, I haven't endorsed him. And I said, I, I think he's, you know, he has authoritarian instincts and usually drop it there. And, uh, but, but I, I didn't get involved in that discussion, you know, uh, and there, there was, uh, there was only one time that uh, somebody arranged a call, but any I, anyway, I had a call from him. And I think it was when he was wondering about how to handle the, how to handle uh, liber- libertarians and wow. he, he uh he uh when i the only thing i told him then because it was a very friendly conversation you know you if, if you're on the wrong side of that there's nothing friendly about how he might talk to you <laughs> so, so i uh i said you know what mr president what uh, i i think uh, the best service you've given given the country is the emphasis on going after political correctness. I said everybody hates it, and right. nobody will nobody will come down hard on it because they're critical. But you know, when you you know from that first debate, that, when that debate happened, uh, and uh, he went after Meghan Kelly, <laughs> I mean that was setting the standard. And so it's uh, political correctness is in the, the intimidation. They cancel you out just by being able to. And then they use the uh, social media to follow through, but still, uh, Trump has, and that's why the, the left hates him so much. You know, well, first off, I the way I look at that whole deal, yes, at the beginning, how could anybody like that that goes after Megan Kelly and John McCain? How could he be president? So uh, he, that that that, that was uh, that was pretty amazing that he he did that, but. Uh, he uh he he you know surprised a lot of people yeah. and uh and i i think it's it's a uh, pretty amazing but um i think what happened to the conventional wisdom of most republicans was that uh and and the, and the democrats they nobody could win like that especially for the democrats and half of the Republicans. They said, Well, this is terrible. He's a terrible person. And, uh, but they were, they were jealous. They were jealous. How could right. this guy do this? So they were they,
0: yeah. were,
1: they were just so jealous of this guy. So then that didn't work, just being jealous and saying, you know, how bad a guy is. Then they said, We hate him. Right. And everything was driven by, hey, my conclusion now that we're seeing this campaign going on, it was that hatred. That turned uh, t- turned things upside down, made things much worse, and the hate, the hatred. What did they do? They were willing to give us Biden and Harris just because we hate Trump the most, right. and we. Right. And this is the all we have. This is the best we have because we hate them. We got to get rid of them. So Biden. and <laughs> Paris, that'll right. take care of it. So sometimes <laughs> you wonder, is there a conspiracy there of, it, of, of total ignorance, or are they just not with it themselves?
0: <laughs> that must have been such a, such a surreal phone call, Donald Trump calling Ron Paul. I just got off the phone with Ron Paul. I always trust somebody who has two first names, okay? I trust <laughs> him. I like Ron Paul. He's good on liberty. He's good on economics. He's anti-war. He's a very sharp guy. So we just had a great phone call.
2: <laughs> it, it was a beautiful phone call with me in Texas. It was a beautiful phone call. Um, yeah, it, the 2016 campaign kind of reminded me a little bit of, of some of your appearances on the Morton Downey Jr. show back in the 80s. Like the, the cartoonish nature that, that it's kind of devolved into. Do you think maybe like the Morton Downey Jr. show kind of predicted how the state of like politics fusing with entertainment would be and what we see now?
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, but there's so many other factors too. Uh, you know, ec- excesses, you know, ex- excessive spending and, and uh, all that goes on. But the more Downey show was maybe like you could say he was ahead of his time. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of that stuff that came out. Now, uh, I guess you refer to that because I was on that show, one show.
2: Oh, you know. okay. Yeah, you made one appearance, and you ha- you were arguing with a fellow in the crowd, and you know you're you were espousing your views seriously, and then you're like, well, you know, you're you're kind of heavy. You, you like to eat cheeseburgers. Maybe we should make you go on a diet.
1: but anyway anyway that uh, that was uh, a little a little bit crazy in in, in a way because uh, I really didn't know what to expect, but uh, it, it it was a shouting match, but I hated it because that was, you know, they matter of fact, coached you before you went on and they wanted you to fight and yell and scream. And I I broke down and did a little bit of that. Then I didn't like it. I looked at the show uh, and I I didn't like it uh, one one bit. but then, and I always worried that it would come up in my district and show me in that attitude, it hurt me. Well, it never showed up, nobody really ever cared. And it, it, went, it went along okay. And I, uh, I just thought uh, that it was terrible. But when the campaigns turned out, the presidential campaign uh, turned out and more people were coming in and they go, look at this stuff. You know, the college kids and high school kids thought it was neat. <laughs> that's what they remembered. And, right. and they liked it because, you know, it was a different attitude I had, but yeah. uh, my, my approach generally, it wasn't that way. I did. I didn't think I should participate in that, but I, I played their game a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, you were on there trying to promote, you know, um, your policies and you've always been so consistent about, um, but of course, yeah, like you said, they were coaching you and it was almost like a precursor to the Jerry Springer show and I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I enjoy comedy, but it's unfor- i think it's unfortunate how politics has devolved in our country oh, um, yeah. to just baseline American gladiator, uh, gladiator blue team versus red team. Um, but like you said, they're really just one party, and they stick to the same talking points at the end of the day, and they have the same corporate sponsors at their conventions. So <laughs> at the end of the day, it's it's like the whole thing—the game is rigged.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is. <laughs>
2: a lot yeah. of it is,
1: is rigged. But I think it's going to get worse. And I think it's a reflection of a bankruptcy. The financial bankruptcy, Everybody very frustrated how I'm going to get my share. But I think it's a, a financial bankruptcy. But there's a moral bankruptcy, too. And even though I'm very positive about people maintaining and retaining and have a remnant of people that will not allow truth to disappear uh there's, there's still there's a lot of people out there that uh enjoy it because i can't stand some of this some of this stuff uh, i think it was i don't even know the places that they do these movies but boy there was a description of some movie of of uh, that just was grotesque and i thought what's this for and they show it to kids uh, and all this transgenderism Boy, that's bad stuff, I mean, there's nothing, nothing scientific about what they're talking about. So, uh, no, it's, the culture certainly has changed, and uh, the cultural Marxists know how to use it, because that's their tool. They use yeah. that to divide us, and uh, they want chaos in the streets, and guess what? Right now, if you look at it superficially, they're winning. If you look at it philosophically and what's happening sort of in a quiet way, I think uh, truth and reason is winning out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and And before we uh, finish up here, Dr. Paul, we just have a couple comments of some support from people. Uh, John Jordan says Ron Paul, Ron, Paul, Ron, Paul. Ron Paul Ron. That's the <laughs> one chant. of our one of our favorite chants. being being involved in like a thousand person Ron Paul chant is is one of the most energizing and electric things you could do. So <laughs> I'm sure it's fun fun for you on your end. Uh, Jason Burma says, "Love you guys. Uh, love you to ask Dr. Paul who the dream team administration would be for
1: 2024. Who, who, who's who, Who's what? Uh,
0: like a dream team ticket for you in 2024. Who do you think would be a couple <laughs> of good candidates?
1: Uh, why would you wish that on anybody? <laughs> I, I, I uh, no, I haven't. I haven't thought that through enough because who, who, who would be able?" to do anything with the monsters there. I mean, it'd be a, a big joke. Today, when Daniel and I did our program, we were talking about sending advisors you know, to Ukraine. And we mentioned that, that Kennedy sent advisors uh, you, you know, to Vietnam. And then uh, and he changed his mind. And, uh, and he, he, changed, he changed his mind, of course, over uh, the Cuban crisis too. Uh, but he changed his mind about war, and he said, "I'm getting all the troops out of Vietnam." It was a couple of months before he was assassinated. Uh, so that's that's the that's the thing. I, I don't. People would say, "Well, what would you do if you were the chairman of the Federal Reserve?" You know, you, you'd have to resign. Why would I <laughs> pretend and mislead people to think that anybody has the vaguest notion about what the money supply should be and what the interest rates should be? It, uh, it that would be the crime. It's just saying if you became a member, uh, it, that you that's what you'd be acknowledging the fact you you think there is a proper interest rates out there. There's a proper position to be held for personal liberty, and people should have the right to do what they want with their lives, and they are not allowed to hurt other people. That, that isn't a very complicated philosophy and it works, it's wonderful, it's the greatest philosophy ever invented and it allows people to do what they want, spiritually, sexually, philosophically, whatever. Don't hurt anybody, don't mess around with their property.
0: Right. Yeah, it's, it's simple and it's a powerful message. We got one more little message here from our friend ricky gray he lives in texas he said congressman i volunteered on your campaign in new hampshire with the jackmans making phone calls while i was on medical leave from the military huh.
1: you know uh, the the military support i, I was pleased you asked me before but what i was pleased with i was pleased with that uh because i was accused so often in washington i'm unpatriotic i don't care about the military yeah because i won't send troops out into an unwinnable Undeclared, Amen. unconstitutional, immoral war, so you call me treasonous, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, when they were doing that the hardest to me in the campaign, uh, it, it turned out that several of us had been in the military. Uh, of all you know, anybody who had declared for president, I had most of the donations from the military compared right. to the rest. so And I thought, why, why is that? And then it dawned on me, you know, I was in the military for five years. The last thing I wanted was a hot war and having people shoot at me. Why right. wouldn't these people not want to have somebody that would have a little common sense in it and express a very, very sound way of staying out of these wars?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then our last comment here says Tulsi Gabbard 2024 for president. <laughs> what do you think about Tulsi, Dr. Paul? Could be. Uh,
1: well, I, I, I like her and she's been on my program and uh, I, her, her most important thing, I don't know all her details, but why she's so important is she was an individual, thinks for herself, knows how to present herself, and she will take a position as a totally independent, fortunately for us who like libertarianism, and I hope she doesn't feel offended that I use that, libertarian ideas of non-intervention, because it was her foreign policy that got my attention, uh, you know, once I heard about her.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, that, that's uh, about all the time uh, we were able to okay. do it today, Dr. Paul, but um, I'm just humbled that you came on, and um, I can't say it enough. Thank you for everything you've done for our country, for elevating liberty, raging against the, the machine for real, and, and being a lone voice of reason. You've inspired millions of people, Dr. Paul, around the world. So it's truly an honor.
2: Thank you, Mr. Paul. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That was nice to be on your program.
0: Absolutely. Well, we hope you'll come back. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Check out the Ron Paul Liberty Report that Dr. Paul hosts with Dan McAdams and the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you here next time.